Welcome to the JMS Podcast. My name is Jorge M. Sanchez and thank you for tuning in. We have a great episode today. We have a lot of exclusive content that you are going to about to listen to. Our guest is musician Jake Wickman. Uh, if you've been following me on social media, you know that I've mentioned a couple times that I am partnering up with my friend William Limeberry, who's a great musician, and he's the one who really got me, encouraged me to get into music. And we are starting our own record label right here in San Jose, California. And our first artist uh, that we technically signed up and producing is Jake Wickman. That's right. Uh, he recorded an EP, and I think the whole team did a great job on it. Uh, William Lambert did a great job recording it and Marty Murillo, oh my god Marty Murillo did so much for it he mixed it and Marty Murillo worked with me when it came to designing the album and the great thing about the album is that uh, I my photography is actually the cover album art so that's pretty cool You know, I could kind of sign that off my bucket list to have my photography be used in such a way and um, it came out great Marty Murillo did a great job touching it up and really designing it and I was like oh my god I, I didn't even recognize my photograph I was like oh my god like did I take that picture no way I mean, it made look so pro and Jack Wickman you know he, he did a great job with his music and he's a great person to watch live so I'm very excited to have him here in the studio and not and not only do we just talk about music but we all uh, he also performs a song at the end live from the EP so yeah and if you listen to his music on this episode, and if you really dig his story, please, I invite you, and everybody at Line B Records invites you to come to the EP release party that's happening this Friday on the 26th at Red, Red Rock Cafe in downtown Mountain View. That's right. So it's this Friday at 7 o'clock at Red Rock Cafe in downtown Mountain View. Uh, Jake Wickman will be selling his EP there in an actual CD case, which would be really cool. And on top of that, his openers are actually uh, musicians that were on this podcast before. That's right, Alex Stanley and Sokora, both great musicians. So please, come on out at Red Rock Cafe, downtown Mountain View, this Friday at 7 p.m. I will be there, and I I swear it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a great fun night. Although, it is going to be $10 at the door. So, besides that, it's still coming out. Come to support local uh, musicians and local music in general. So, yeah. Uh, before we go to our conversation, I have to give a big shout out to the Silicon Valley uh, Bicycle Coalition. They saved my ass today. It was a great uh, day. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should be active and maybe I should be, you know, I haven't done photography for a while. So, maybe I should bike around town and... You know, and take some couple photographs, and uh, I'll be knocking on two birds with one stone. I'll be getting healthy, and I'll be creatively inspired, you can say. And before you knew it, I was uh, I was downtown. I was around Japantown and all that. I passed by Empire Seven Studios, uh, a great gallery to be able to check out. You know, chatted a bit there, and then I was heading out. And before I knew it, I had two flat tires. That's right, not one, but two flat tires. It's like, oh, great caught up a friend who's into biking and fixing bikes and he was not available he didn't want to come out he got too busy to do other things apparently except for help out a friend so like ah dang it and there i was and all of a sudden i heard a tap on my shoulder not, not that i just hear it but I, I felt it 
And a nice Australian guy just like, hey, you have a repair kit? And I'm like, I, I do not. And he goes, oh, come on over. And I went over and him and, and this other gal fixed up my bike for me for free. Like, like they totally just re removed the tube and they put the air in there. And I just stood there like, oh, my God, this is a miracle. Like, really? And it turns out that that was Matt and Kate from the Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition who just, you know, working in an event at St. James Park. And they saw me, you know, hopelessly with two flat tires. They're like, ah, oh, let's help out that bloke, huh? And uh, I, I, I got to give it to them. They saved the day. They really did. Uh, I was like, you know what? This day sucks. This is what I get for trying to be healthy and trying to be creative. This is what I get. This is what I deserve. God damn it. I knew something was going to be wrong. But no, they saved it. They uh, And so I am forever indebted to those Australians. Or I think they were Australians. I'm pretty sure they were Australians. Because they had the accent, but they were in a very chippy mood. So I, I I never really heard somebody from you know, well they could they could be Kiwis as well they could be from New Zealand I don't think about it. no their accents weren't that thick, and British people although they have the accent they come off a little more bitter, I'm pretty sure they're Australians and I gotta give it up for them, uh so you know what and checking it out Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition they kind of inspired me to kind of volunteer for them I mean it's the least I can do they help me out might as well help them out, so seriously shout out to you guys thank you so much. And you know what? Uh, it's pretty awesome. You know, those small things like that really makes you appreciate the local community here. And everybody's so helpful. And it's like, oh, man, I got I really lucked out. So, boom. There you have it. All right. Follow the JMS Podcast if you're tuning in for the first time on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come on. And come on. Subscribe to this podcast, will you? What other podcast does what we do around here in the South Bay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, visit jmspodcast.com and you'll see that there's a lot more content than just uh, podcast episodes. I got videos, I got film reviews, uh, I got a, a great selection of, of interviews with local food establishments. What more does this community want when it comes to a podcast? I'm saying that because I'm pretty sure I still want more listeners because... Those who've been listening from the very uh, beginning, thank you so much for your support. You guys help me out so much. Uh, I just I feel like this podcast does a long way to go, apparently. Um, but anyway, visit jmspodcast.com and check out the website. And please donate if you can. Uh, every penny counts. Every penny from our donations when it comes to either Patreon or GoFundMe really helps out maintaining this podcast. And on top of that, helps me expand more creatively other outlets for this podcast. I mean, I, I can't say enough how, how grateful I am that that the stuff I'm able to do with this podcast alone really opened not just my doors, but opened uh, doors from local musicians, comedians, and filmmakers and all that. So so please donate when you can. That will be super awesome, and I'll be super grateful. And I'm kind of working on some products. That's right. I'm thinking, huh, I think one way to really show appreciation for my listeners is to give a gift in return. So look out for that pretty soon. All right, without much further ado, let's get to our conversation with Jake Wickman. Jake Wickman, that's right. Before we get there, I have a special surprise for you guys. Are you guys ready? Huh? Although his EP is being released on Friday, and nobody has yet ever heard a song from that EP, I got one song for you guys from that EP. That's right. Right here on the JMS Podcast, exclusively for the first time in the entire world, we listen to one song that was recorded and it's going to be on the EP. That's right. Oh man, are you ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Lime B Productions' first uh, 
produced album. This is Jake Wickman's song from his upcoming EP, Ode to Marie. And I give you Curious by Jake Wickman. from eating breakfast yes throwing flyers around downtown Mountain View uh, we did and so far so good man those flyers came out really good yeah you know uh, shout out to Marty Marillo for uh, putting those together and shout out to you Jorge to me for, uh, I didn't do anything you took the photos oh yeah I did I totally forget that. see Marty, Jesus Christ man <laughs> Marty does such a good job that for me that's like wow like, like it just seems so different from what like for me like yeah. Like, like for me, when I look at the flyers, like, yeah, Marty did a good job designing the flyer. You know, Marty did an incredible job, and you know, um, 
Yeah, I I really am very grateful for that guy and just for his friendship and his generosity with his time to, you know, he mixed Matt and mastered my EP and put did the album art he work he did the flyers he did the poster and he didn't ask me for a goddamn thing in return and mm-hmm. uh, so I I'm gonna. I'm gonna. So, so sometimes there's frequencies that disturb the mic. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'll uh, I'll put this away. Yeah, for the listeners listening. Yeah, usually my guests when they put the 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 freaking um the cell phone next to the mics, it, it creates some kind of disturbance. You click it. But anyway, but yeah, but for those who don't know, it's is that we're trying to promote your upcoming EP. Yeah. So Ode to Marie. Ode to Marie. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh my debut EP. Um, I recorded it with uh, Line B Productions. Um, and it's coming out on August 26th. Uh, we're we're going to do a release show at Red Rock Coffee. And uh, at 7 p.m., it's going to be a really fun night. Uh, we're going to have some special guest performances by local musicians Alex Stanley and Sakura, both of whom are great friends of mine and are extremely talented. And then I'll be doing a set myself. We're gonna have a little soiree and Q and A afterwards. It's gonna it's gonna be a really fun night. So Red Rock Coffee, two hundred one Castro Street, Mountain View, California. Uh, all ages. All ages. All ages welcome. And <laughs> there'll be a ten dollar cover. So. Ten dollar cover. How, how about that? Well, I don't know. Like, cause you see, you gotta pay the register, right? Yeah. So you go to coffee and say, oh, by the way, I'm going to the show upstairs. Exactly. So you can get your coffee and your pastry and your ticket to the show all at the register. It's really cool, man. It's really cool. Yeah, Red Rock's a great venue. You said this is your debut album. Yeah, my my very first thing I'm putting out. So what made you want to do your this album and why now in this life in this stage of your life? Uh, well, I've been musical, you know, as long as I can remember. Uh, I grew up in a very musical family. Really? Like, yeah. Like your your parents play music? Uh, my mom is an incredible singer, and uh, she plays guitar and piano. She was uh, she was the uh, head of music at at our church growing up. Wow. When I, and uh, so she definitely uh, passed that along to me and to my brother as well. He's also uh, a musical guy himself. He's a great drummer, oh. and uh, and he writes as well. So. so he's a he's a musician as well. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's like you're a family musician. How about your dad? Uh, my dad, uh, my dad loves music, and yeah. he strums a bit on the guitar. Uh-huh. And he actually, his voice is actually decent for harmonies. Uh, I wouldn't say he's uh, he would be making any albums of his own, but uh, but <laughs> but my my dad uh, is also very artistic. My dad is a, a cartoonist and a game designer. He actually uh, no kidding. Yeah, my dad. Um, uh, have you ever heard of roguelike gaming? Rogue like gaming. Yeah, there was a, a there was a computer game that came out in 1980 called Rogue. So he was there from the beginning. Yeah, my dad was one of the three guys who made the game Rogue. So he okay. uh, he's well, now well, a software architect at Zynga Games cool. in San Francisco. What was so. the game about? Rogue. You know, I'm a terrible son, and I could not tell you. <laughs> um, I, I was I never got into computers and stuff. That was more my dad and my brother. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But uh, my dad has been incredibly supportive of my music, and uh, he's, uh, yeah, 
I'm very thankful that my family is so supportive of what I do. Um, but back to your your initial question, uh, why I decided to do an EP now. Uh, well, I moved back to the Bay Area about a year and a half ago, and from where? I was living in Australia, actually. What's the story there? Um, when uh, well, after high school, I uh, I I didn't feel like I wanted to go to college. I never felt like college was for me. Yeah. Honestly, I think college is a waste of time. No offense to anyone who thinks college is a good idea. I just never saw the appeal, um, and I wanted to get life experience i wanted to see the world i wanted to find myself like so many people as soon as they finish high school they'll just go to college because they think they're supposed to go to college but for me i was like no i want to i want to go i want to get out in the real world i want to see the world i want to grow up i want to have experiences and so i uh went overseas to australia to work with a nonprofit youth organization and I was originally only going to go for six months, but somehow that turned into five years. <laughs> so somehow. somehow, did you fall in love or something? Uh, several times, but never anything that panned out. Okay. So, so it was uh, five years of looking for yourself and looking for someone, huh? Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess it was definitely a time of uh, finding myself and finding uh, my, you know, my foundation. In now, a lot of things. what does that so. notion mean to you? Of finding yourself, you know, just kind of discovering what I want to do. Yeah. Um. You know what? What are my beliefs? What are my values? You know, where where do I stand on things? Because uh, it's interesting. Because especially mm-hmm. when you're at a young age, when you're like 18, early 20s, mm-hmm. it's like you don't really know how to really identify yourself, and you're constantly questioning of what you know people say you should be should be doing. Exactly. So I find it fascinating that that you traveled to find that identity. Yeah. And, and is there a specific reason why you chose Australia out of all the countries in the world? It was as far away from home as I could possibly get. Literally across the other side of the, of the world. Exactly. So You just want to get away from home, huh? Uh, yeah, I really wanted to get away. Uh, when I, I went when I was 19, and life was just not going very well over here. I would uh just had a breakup my parents had separated i was just kind of all over the place and uh, i was just like i need to get away yeah. so i got as far away as i could did you fly on JetBlue? <laughs> Quant- wait, wait does JetBlue make those commercials want to get away no that's southwest oh, it's, uh, but uh southwest doesn't do international <laughs> uh i flew with Qantas, uh, the big australian airline and it was great because i as soon as i got on the plane i was uh, under australian law so at 19 i had my first legal beer it was great wow uh, and how was australia australia is a beautiful you, you were brisbane right yeah so that, that's a more uh i guess uh city like oh yeah i lived in the suburbs of brisbane uh in a little suburb called mitchelton uh on the north in the northern suburbs brisbane i want to say is kind of like the it has sort of like a milwaukee or chicago feel to it it's mm, uh okay but uh, is there like a lot of hot dogs and a lot of like you know <laughs> no just uh the the structure of it there's a lot of cool buildings a great river walk um 
Bratwurst. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> no, they don't do a lot of brats in Australia. They do uh, those Aussie snags, mate. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, five years there. Do you ever like you picked up the Australian accent? Well, see, the thing is, no, because I worked in a very international organization. So there were people from all over the place there. So the only people who actually lost their accents were the Australians. Yeah. Even though we were in Australia, it was it was that was uh, pretty funny. <laughs> I, I had one friend who was Aus- there who was Australian, and she for a lot of the time would just her accent would just slip into straight up either you know like U.S. Canadian sort of thing, and we would just give her the hardest time for it. She hated it. It was awesome. <laughs> But, uh, Shout out to Emily Mehmet. You're awesome. I miss you, friend. But with Australia, it's one of those accents. You could. It's not that hard to really understand. I think there. No, no, not at all. I mean, because in in England, like London accent, you could hear. Mm-hmm. But there's some parts of England you don't know what the fuck they're saying. You right. Know? Like I'm not sure if it's the cocky, the Cockney accent, or there's like the Liverpool. Yeah, there's like. a, there's a lot of different ones. I mean, and in Australia, they have their different accents as well. Uh, but you know the where I was, uh, Brisbane, you know the Queensland area. Their accent is, uh, you know, it's that perfect happy medium. You've got that great Aussie twang, but it's very hearable. You can yeah. definitely understand it. So. And you have been to the outback? Uh, I never really got like into the outback. Outback. I definitely went and saw a lot of the rural areas of Queensland. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, especially in the winter time. It gets so freaking cold. You would never think Australia was a cold place, but in like Australian winters out in those rural areas, oh my gosh, I was freezing my ass off. Of course. I mean, yeah. it's pretty close to the Antarctica. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, I guess so. It's in the lower hemisphere. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For me, it makes sense it'll be cold. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think a lot of people associate a lot of like, you know, heat. Yeah, definitely. I think Crocodile Dundee has has, <laughs> has done that oh, to us please, Americans. Please don't. Oh, if any of my Australian friends are listening to this, please do not take offense to that. They uh, they're oh, re- do, they, cracky. They don't like Crocodile Dundee. Oh, it's not that they don't like. He's Crocodile a national Dundee. treasure, isn't he? <laughs> no, uh, Steve Irwin is the national Steve treasure. Ir- Paul Hogan, the guy who played Crocodile Dundee, he's more of a. Eh, he's okay. He's okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, That's cool, man. So you were there, and you're just working for an organization doing what? I was a oh, I did all sorts of stuff. Um, I I was there as a student first, and then I stayed on to staff, and I was a a mentor there for the students, and then I also uh, worked as logistical staff for about three years, eh, something like that, and uh, I um helped uh i also worked in uh the cafe that they started there for a little over a year and it that's kind of where i got my introduction to being a barista which is what i do for a living right now and that's actually also where i really got a huge opportunity to play music uh because um this is going to be a huge shout out one of my best friends in the world uh mikhail laxton he uh goes by the artist named black indie uh, check him out. He uh, is very good. He's living in Canada now with his lovely wife, Leah, uh, both of whom are great friends of mine. And uh, he uh, started an open mic there. Mm. And that's how I got my exposure to open mic, because I'm also an open mic host now. Uh, and this is actually a great segue into back, going back to your original question of why I want to make this, e- why I wanted to make this EP. Um, because I've always loved music. I was always, you know, messing around with music. 
but it wasn't until I got really close with Mick um, that I really started to because he he was kind of like that first person to say hey man like you're really talented like you could really do something with your music and you know the first time he told me that I was like oh thanks you know I mean you know I knew I could sing I knew I could play guitar but I never really felt like I had that that real confidence to uh to actually do something with it and then I remember this like it was yesterday probably because it's like one of the People have been harsh to me in the past, but this is probably the most, like, in-your-face harshness I've ever gotten from somebody. Uh, one night I had played at the open mic, and I did, like, some Johnny Cash covers, and everybody in the room was just, like, cheering and, like, getting really into it. And the next morning, I was just sitting at a table, and uh, Mick sits down with me, and he just looks at me, and he goes, What the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you've got all this talent and you're not using it like you know you've got people here who support you you got people here who believe in you and you're just fucking around doing nothing with your music and i was just like oh you got offended that you did johnny cash covers no is that what your music has come to johnny cash covers no 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 he was he was he was getting really real with me about how you know i i have all this talent and i'm not using it Right. How I'm just, you know, I'm not I'm not using it to my advantage. Let me ask you this so, then. Yeah. Why did you feel the confidence was not there? Considering that you come from a family of musicians, mm-hmm. you come from, you know, so I assume that you you must have known that you picked up some pretty good skills as a musician. But yeah, uh-huh. why did it take this to that that moment to really wake you up and be like, "Hey man, you actually have something to not only make music that's great, but to use your voice um well did i get uh, too deep here (laughs) i mean the the thing is is that you know i had a lot of people hold me back and uh, and now that and i also held myself back a lot due to insecurities um i don't want to go too deep into it but let's just say i i had a past of people running me down a lot and uh, people telling me I was no, I wasn't good enough for anything, and that, um, you know, just a lot, a lot of things. Um, but you know, Mick really, he he didn't just reach a hand down and say, "Let me help you out." He like straight up jumped down into the hole and said, "Hey, I know the way out of here. I'm gonna help you out." Even if it takes me kicking your ass. Even if it takes me... And, you know, and he did. You need friends like that, man. You, oh, you so need friends you like that. You need friends that. That, that, that believe in you yeah. and are willing to, to smite you once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> so, so huge, huge shout out to, to Mick. Like, uh, Mick, good job, man. Yeah, you know, he uh, he really was, like, that first person to... Cause like, and right before I went home, right before I left Australia, he just... He again sat me down and was a bit nicer this time and he was just like bro you really need to do something with your music like and you know when I when I moved back I was like you know I was trying to figure things out and then you know I got this job at Red Rock and then like three months in uh, they I took over their open mic 
and just meeting all of these musicians in the Silicon Valley area and uh, making connections and networking and hanging out with people. Um, it just, I just got so excited about it. And um, so I started playing a lot more. And then I was, you know, trying to write more material. <laughs> and then I met a certain girl. And uh, long story short, I've got an EP coming out. <laughs> now, um, no, but it, uh, it, this all comes back around because yeah. the, the reason I ask is because, yeah. like I said, you, you come from a musical family. You have mm-hmm. experience in, in, you know, you had this great experience in Australia. Mm-hmm. And you definitely could, had great resources in Australia for you. And it's interesting that now is the moment you felt to, to do your EP. Yeah, you know, um, the thing is, is like, you know, there is a lot of things I probably could have done in Australia. Um, but, the, you know, I'm not going to dwell on the past. You know, it's, uh, I knew... I was only going to be in, I knew my time in Australia was temporary. I knew that, you know, I was only going to be there for a short amount of time. I didn't feel like it was the best place to start to set my musical foundation. Um, but, you know, I'm sure I probably could have done more. I could have written more. But, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, the thing is I'm here now and this is... But I think that that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I think it's the beauty of it. Like some, it, it takes not just a moment. It takes a culmination of moments. Right. And it, sometimes it takes a breaking point for someone to be like, all right, I need to do something. Well, yeah. See, and the thing is, is that, you know, earlier this year, I, I got my heart broken. And I needed to find a way to cope with it. I needed to find a way to deal with the pain and get the feelings out without going off my gourd. And songwriting was that facet that I found. And, um, you know, if you, when, if you listen to the tracks on the EP, you know, they're very emotional songs. They're very, uh, they're very much songs that are about my experience and you can definitely you know people have at least told me that you know when they listen to my songs they're like wow this is you can definitely tell like this is about an experience that you had um and when people would come to tell me that after i'd perform i'm just like you know how many people out there are you know going through things emotionally Everybody, but uh, everybody, exactly. And I'm like, you know, if I can get this out there, and if just listening to one of my songs could, you know, pull help pull somebody out of a dark time, or just give somebody like just you know a minute of encouragement, you know, which why, makes why, sense. It, which makes sense. So why we, wouldn't I do it, right? Because when people are feeling down, one of the first things we turn to. Well, mm-hmm. for me, it's usually food, but after food, I usually turn to music. Yeah, you know, to to really vent things out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think you have a great thing going on there. I I, I think uh, if anything I think the timing is perfect. Exactly, and uh, I was actually here on this property uh, where we are right now uh, when I first talked to Will Lineberry. Shout out to Will Lineberry, my incredible recording engineer and percussionist, and one of my very good friends. Um, 
he uh, he and I were talking, and I was just like, "Was it at my graduation? Party? It was at your graduation party. <laughs> I had we had just performed, and I was just like, you know what, dude? Let's make an EP because Will had approached me previously huh. about recording me because you know he he's been trying to get you know line B going." And uh, he really felt like I was a I was a guy he wanted to record, and I was just I don't know there was something about that day where I was just like let's do it, and he was like bro we gotta get Marty on board. Second he said that Marty walks up, and I was like Marty, what do you say? And he was like oh absolutely, and uh, then uh, you know we got you on board to do the video and photography. And, uh, you know, I got Alex on board. Uh, I mentioned Alex Stanley earlier. He's uh, going to be performing at the show. He also did the, the lead guitar tracks on my EP. And next thing you know, Team Ode to Marie has been formed. And uh, it was it's just been an incredible ride. And it's not... It's... Uh, yeah, I... It's crazy to think that, you know... From then to then, so much happened. How was your process recording? The recording process was uh, a lot of fun. Um, you know, did you find it challenging? Um, there were definitely parts that were challenging uh, because what a lot of people don't understand about musicians is that a lot of times, you know, the songs that we write can come from very dark and unpleasant times in our lives and while we were recording I was going through a very very tough time emotionally and you know songs uh, like Sledgehammer um, I actually there was the day we were supposed I was supposed to record the vocals for Sledgehammer I tried to do it I could not do it I I was just like I I got I was like well I'm sorry I can't record this today it was it's just it's too much right now um so really just with these songs and just the emotional roller coaster that they are that was like the biggest challenge was because it was we were doing this like right in the middle of me going through a really tough time and uh, learning how to overcome that and learning how to use that to my advantage to just throw all of that emotion right into the song uh i feel like that really made i think sled like especially with songs like sledgehammer and healing uh made those like real powerhouse songs so, um and uh, but it was a very fun process, you know. Right now, the Line B Studios is uh, Will's bedroom, and uh, you know, just being in his house, hanging out, jamming on tunes, uh, is a really, uh, really fun time. So, and Will's just a great guy to work with. He was uh, very patient. He definitely was very hospitable. And anytime I would mess up, he just he wouldn't get frustrated with me. He'd just be like, "It's all right, dude. We'll just do another take." Like, uh, so 
I think it was definitely a very educational process, uh, very positive, and I'm very glad and thankful that I got to do it with Line B. Okay. So. That's cool. Like, you you had no trouble adjusting to, like, you know, the click, you know, click track and all that? Oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. a, a lot of, especially a lot of new musicians don't really uh-huh. consider that. That there's a certain, you know, way of recording, a, a certain rhythm, and uh-huh. which is, it gets very technical. Because when you're playing live, it's a whole different feeling. It's it's very true. Uh, there it, it definitely was an adjustment. Um, definitely playing the guitar to the click track was, was a little challenging. And uh, recording vocals, I'm so used to singing while playing the guitar. So it got to the point where I actually had it set up like I would do it when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I would go into my bathroom, put on a CD, and play air guitar in front of the mirror and sing this along to the tracks. So Will has a mirror in his room. Sorry. We're in the middle of recording to, to the other people listening. My sister just walked in. Interrupted our conversation. That's okay. She does not look happy. <laughs> I think I'll hear about that later. But anyway, you were saying? Sorry to um, So, Will has this, this mirror set up in his room. So, I turned the mic towards the mirror and I was standing in front of the mirror playing air guitar in while singing my songs along with the guitar track. Wait, so um, as a kid, you used to do that? You used to be in front of the mirror singing? Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Why is that? I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I, I What a man does in the bathroom is his own business, okay? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, but... Oh, this was in the bathroom. I didn't know that. Uh, or my bedroom or something. I just always liked the idea of... I always performed in the mirror probably just to critique my own stage presence or something did you ever sing the michael jackson song man um, on the mirror i was more of a hansen guy than michael jackson growing Where up are you now my very first oh, concert come on, jake i just started oh, liking you man oh shut the fuck up you <laughs> loved hansen in the 90s i come never on. listened to hansen you are a fucking liar I, oh my god well, come on well i never listened to hansen by choice that's a better way oh to come on man no my very first concert was uh uh, Hanson at the Shoreline Amphitheater in 1998. I love Hanson. I I, I I have no shame in that at all. I love Hanson. What's your favorite song from them? Uh, probably a, a Minute Without You. A Minute Without You. A Minute Without I You. I just found that I just found it weird. I just found it weird that there's these three brothers. Uh huh. And the youngest was the. Dr- I it, it all seemed like uh almost like you know how like Jackson Five where uh-huh. the father kind of forced his kids into the limelight. For me, when I see that with the three siblings, I don't know. I just didn't, I felt like it was almost not disingenuous. I was like, oh, these poor kids, man. No, they were they were legit, man. And the thing is, you know, Zach, their their drummer, he was always my favorite, and he was a left-handed drummer. And I purposely learned how to play the drums left-handed because Zach Hansen was left-handed. <laughs> I know. I was that obsessed, right? <laughs> So that's I, great, man. So anytime I play the drums anywhere, if I'm playing the full kit, I have to piss everyone off and say, "I'm sorry, I have to set the kit up reversed because I play the drums left-handed." Blame it on Zach Hansen. So, <laughs> what other stuff were you, were you listening to growing up? Uh, growing up, um, well, you know, growing up in the 
late 90s early 2000s i listened to a lot of uh you know the stuff that was popular then i listened to a lot of you know like stuff like hansen and you know backstreet boys and nsync and you know i really got into that stuff and then i want to say probably when i got into to middle school was when i started to listen to more alternative stuff like maroon five and uh, now you grew again. You grew up in a musical family. Is there uh, any stuff that your parents introduced you to? Oh, you absolutely. Dig? You know, my my dad was very smart. He uh, when when I was when I was four years old, he showed me a Hard Day's Night for the first time. So I grew up with the Beatles. I have never. I do not remember a single moment of my life where I did not love the Beatles. Uh, and when I was in high school. When Across the Universe came out, I went through a huge just Beatlemania phase because you, I don't know if you remember from like 2007 to 2009, like Beatlemania almost like resurrected. Yeah. Um, so I really got into that. Uh, I, my dad would play me stuff like the Beach Boys, uh, the Monkees. I don't know if you ever listened. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, love, love the Monkees. He had uh, some cassette tapes of the old TV series, and my brother and I would watch those on repeat when we were growing up. Uh, so I listened to a lot of you know '60s music as well growing up. Do you feel like that's a big influence in your music? Absolutely. Um, you know because what I love about music from back then is that it's very simple, you know, uh, but it's also very powerful. You know, you listen to guys like Smokey Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know, today people are like trying to come up with these complex lyrics, and he pierces people's hearts with. I've got sunshine on a cloudy day when it's cold outside. I've got the month of May. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's very it's like a very less is more sort of style. And I really like that. I really like to be very straightforward. You know, none of my uh chord progressions are very difficult. Um my my lyrics I feel are just very poetic, very honest, very straightforward. So um, no, I definitely think that uh, you know '60s uh, '60s music definitely had a huge influence. Were on you me. were you writing original music uh, when you were younger as well? No, not really. Uh, I would try to, but it would. I, I don't know. I don't. I I would. I want to say the first like song that was ever really mine that I like was super proud of and would easily perform. I actually didn't write that until I was. Oh, I, I I started writing some gospel songs at when I was twenty one, and those uh those those but um but outside of that genre, it wasn't until uh, February of twenty fifteen when I wrote a year ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay. It was when like I really started writing, uh, songs that, um you know outside of the the gospel genre that i really wanted to uh you know use and perform and that that first song i wrote uh was called uh don't want to say goodbye um and i it, it didn't quite make the record it was one of those ones that i was thinking about putting on the record but uh, uh it ended up not making the cut but i will definitely use it for a future project i think it's a great song so, is it self-explanatory what it what it's about? Um, it, it's a song that I wrote for a girl, as most of my songs are. Australian or? Here? Uh, 
she, I met her in Australia, but she was actually from Norway. Okay. Uh, I won't say her name because she's... We'll, she, call, we'll call her Miss Norway. Yeah. Uh, she's actually, like, she's getting married, like, I think next week or something. Whoa, that's so, tough. Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, it is a little... It, it, you know, honestly, like, I'm really happy for her. Like, like did she met the, her fiancé the same time she met you? Or? No. Okay. No, this was afterwards. Um, you know, I'm no, I'm actually, I'm really happy for her. I actually... I hope, I hope she doesn't invite you to the wedding to perform. N- no. And you perform that song. That'd be so cool. No, I, <laughs> actually, you know, it, it's funny. I was actually the one who told her to get into that relationship. Oh, you directed her to the to her Well, I didn't know the guy, but like she and I, this was after I had moved back to the States, she had moved back to Norway, and uh, we were talking on Skype, and she was talking about how like, uh, you know, she liked this guy, he liked her, but she wasn't, I can't remember the exact context, but I, I told her, I was just like, you know what, if you like him, go for it, you know, you're, if he, you like him and he likes you, what are you waiting for? And now they're getting married. Nice. So you, um, you better get that wedding invite then. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. have happened without you, man. Huh? It wouldn't have happened without you. But I, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I, I can't I, say I, that. I don't. For sure. I don't mean to guilt trip you. Uh huh. But I mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they would have. Uh, I think I might have just played a small role. It's, but it's, I'm not gonna take much. I'm not gonna take any of the credit. I don't even know the guy. But you know, I'm. I'm happy for my friend and. Uh, I mean, in my perfect world, <laughs> I, things probably would have gone differently. But um, no, I think the the best thing to do is to just you know be happy for the good things that have happened uh, for people in your life. And she was a great friend um, who I cared for very much. And Basically, getting back to the to the actual song of "Don't Want to Say Goodbye," I actually I wrote it the day she left Australia, or the night before she left Australia. We were hanging out, and I just told her like, "Hey, I you know I don't want to say goodbye to you." And she said, "Well, why?" I was just like, "Because I'm just afraid that I'll never see you again." And you know, we parted ways, and I don't know. I just went to the there was a studio at the place I was working at in Australia and I was just sitting in there jamming on the guitar and uh, just out of nowhere I wrote the song Don't Want to Say Goodbye and uh, you know I was leaving just a couple of weeks later but in those two weeks that song became an absolute hit around the center that I worked at um, the students who would hear me play, they're like, dude, did you, you wrote that? Like, holy crap, that's a great song. Especially, uh, shout out to my friend uh, James Etheridge, my my spiritual little brother. Uh, he was a huge fan of that song. You know, uh, he was like, bro, you gotta, you gotta do something with that song. And uh, that was kind of like that, that first song that like really gave me inspiration to to actually do something with music so wow and have you felt like you evolved since then as a songwriter absolutely um i feel i feel that uh ever since then i've had a lot more confidence in some my songwriting ability and uh therefore i'm always looking for opportunities you know anytime something happens i'm like 
could I make a song out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, any sort of thing like that. And, you know. So how's your creative process like when you're writing music? You know, it's really random. Like, yeah, it's. Do, do you have to be with the with an instrument or can it be like while you're working? Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'll just have like a line or a chorus kind of pop into my head. And I'm just kind of singing it to myself in my head, you know, what figuring out mel- the melody. And then I'll go home and I'll, you know, try to figure it out on the guitar. And a lot of the times I have to change it because, you know, in my head, my vocal range is way bigger than what it actually is. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just like, I sit down and I'm like, how, how do we make this uh, an actual song? You know, what's the what's more of the story? And, but yeah, it's it's very random though. I don't have like an exact process. Hmm. Do you feel like you go through like 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 times of of uh, I guess songwriting block? Yeah, actually, you know, after I wrote "Don't Want to Say Goodbye," I didn't write a song for a year. Wow. Okay. So you, you wrote you wrote a single apparently. Yeah, I wrote I wrote this song and then I was I. And then I just could not write a song to save my life. Why, why do you feel that is? Uh, you know, I think it was just, you know, it, uh, right after that, I moved back to the States. I'd been gone for five years. I moved back to a place that I hadn't lived to in uh, since I was 11. Uh, you know, I was trying to get myself sorted, situated, find a job, figure out, you know, so much of what was going on. And I don't know, music just kind of kind of took a back seat for a little while. And I I was just I would try to try to write something, couldn't find the inspiration. And uh then things happened. Things things happened. Things happened. That was a pretty big culture shock when you moved back? A little bit. A little bit? A little bit. How so? Um well, it's just different, you know, just a different lifestyle. You know, I was working in a nonprofit youth organization where I was living on sponsorship and it, you know, it was it was a bit of an adjustment to come back, you know, get a paying job, uh, find a place, pay rent, you know, it was uh and the yeah, the culture it was definitely different. Uh, but do you see any similar like what do you feel the differences and the similarities of the community of open mic musicians that you had in Brisbane and that you have here in the South Bay? Well, to be perfectly honest, most of the people who would perform at the open mic in Brisbane, at least when I was there, it may have evolved a bit. I mean, I've been gone for a year and a half, so uh, but it was mostly just people who worked at the center. So it was all people I knew already. Um, some people from the community would come in and perform here and there, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but the open mic community here in Silicon Valley, you know, it was like, it was huge, just a huge community of people from all sorts of different places. Uh, you know, we didn't all know each other. We didn't all work together. And it was, it's been great to be able to, get to know so many different people uh, because of open mic. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and do you? Because let's talk about uh, your open mic. Okay. You got so, that. Sorry. It's okay. You got Poor that. Poor Jorge has to deal with me vaping in the studio. <laughs> You're a rock star now, right? <laughs> no, I'm just Jake. Just Jake. I'm just Jake. Because, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about over breakfast today about how you got the open mic. Mm-hmm. And we saw, you know, and I asked you, like, how did that come about? Because it's, I always thought, you know, when, you know, Will and David told me, oh, check out Red Rock, this and that. And I went, and it was pretty cool, and it seems like a pretty cool environment to do music. But then I found out later that before you came, you know, a lot of musicians had a hard time really performing at Red Rock. But it seems like you really built that self up from from a different perspective, and really you're, you yourself mm-hmm. managed to get, you know, a great music community in Mountain View. Well, I don't want to take anything away from the guys who hosted it before I did. You know, they they held that open mic down for over a decade. You know, Red Rock is one of the longest running open mics in Silicon Valley. And, um, the, you know, the fact that those guys did what they did for so long, I definitely want to, you know, give credit where credit is due. I definitely feel like I I brought something different to the table. I think uh, the, the changes that I made... Um, I definitely feel that they were positive. Um, I feel like my personality and how I run things is, you know, it's just a different way of doing it that a lot of the the younger crowd can connect to. Um, but uh, I don't I don't want for one second for people to think that the guys who hosted it before me were doing it wrong. Uh, but I think the biggest but, difference that I found out is that you uh-huh. really diversified. Uh, the musical acts and in general the acts because now that there's comedians uh-huh. and poets uh, on a regular basis uh, I, I even got comedians to check out who tell me hey go check out Red Rock which is something that wasn't really there when I started doing comedy about hmm. two years ago or two three years ago well I mean I, I'm very glad that the that you know the way I've hosted the open mic has had a positive impact on people it's had a huge impact on me it's changed my life you know I've met so many people made so many great friends you know this whole process you know i would not be sitting here right now had i not gotten this opportunity to take over red rocks open mic you know that was a huge open door for me and it's been such an open door for other people as well and you know they it just i feel so honored that that you know people keep coming every week and uh you know it's also it's very humbling to to know that what I do is having such a great impact on people, um, it's tough though. I don't think people realize how tough it is to run an open mic. No, it's very it's very tough. It takes uh-huh. a lot of patience, takes a lot of organization and time management skill, um, takes a lot of just energy. Yeah, you know, it, it does. It's definitely a, a draining process. You know, I was just talking with uh, with Grizzly Rob, who just started uh, co-hosting over at Friscotti, and he was uh, saying like, you know, his first night, he was like, "Whoa, this is n- this is this is crazy." I was like, "You're in for a ride, man." Yeah, you yeah. Same thing uh, with comedy open mics. You know, yeah. when I, when I was running Friscotti, mm-hmm. it's like a, a, it's, I'm sure it's common musicians, but maybe because the open mic hosts have a sense of authority. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's kind of it's easy to kind of like hate on the host, like oh man he skipped me, oh man like this and that. 
But it's like you have no idea on the other side of, of the current, like how much you know it takes to be like, all right, is this guy here? I hope he's in the room when I call his name. Oh, is he signed up? Is the equipment okay? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are the customers okay? And you got yeah. like a million things you're thinking of. The, but- the the thing is, a lot of people don't understand is that we do care. We want to get as many people up as we possibly can. We just have a time limit, and you know, I I try to get to everyone. But it's just sometimes not possible. And for the most part, people are pretty understanding. You, you never uh, had someone just roll you for it? Um, For not getting to them if they were on the list? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I've had some people who are... Because the thing is, you know, I, I offer them a, you know, that... I, I make them the offer that if I can't get to them that night that they can come back next week and they can just skip the line and sign up ahead of everyone else. Uh, because, you know, we, we definitely want it to be fair. We want uh, these people to have their opportunity. You know, open mics are not exclusive. Um, they're very inclusive. Or at least, and if they're not, they should be. Um, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter the skill level. You know, open mics are a great, great way to just get entered into performing. You know, um, so if I can't get to somebody, I'm not going to tell them, sorry, too bad, you know, better luck next time. I'm going to be like, no, come back next week at signups. You can skip the line. We'll make sure we get you on. So, uh, do, How's it dealing with the comedians? I know it will be a little different. Yeah, um, well, see, the thing is, with with comedians, uh, Red Rock is a very family-friendly cafe. We want uh, all ages, we want families to be able to come in and feel comfortable. And a lot of comedians (laughs) don't like that about Red Rock. We usually don't. Uh, look, but, I had the same problem for Scotty. It's like, all right, guys, you got to tone down your shit, man. Yeah, and it's like, you know, but, a great comedian, in my opinion. Now, I am not a stand-up comedian. I have huge respect for stand-up comedians. But I would think a great, skilled comedian can play, could, can just play to the room. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know... That's very true. The thing is, uh, one comedian I love having come to Red Rock is Faco. Oh, yeah. He's a crowd pleaser. Faco, because Faco is, you know, I've seen him play, he, I've seen him perform at bars where he's, you know, cussing his head off and doing the dirty stuff, but he'll come to Red Rock, he'll keep it very clean, and he will still make us all laugh our asses off. Um, but, but the so I... Yeah, it's it can sometimes be a struggle. There there have been times where I have had to cut comedians off. Um, <laughs> can you give us an example of what? I'm curious. Yeah, well, there one time this this random guy came in, and he was making jokes about like strippers, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, I put a dollar on the table, and this stripper showed me her vagina." I was like, "Okay, all right, yeah, sorry, can't can't have that," you know. And did they give you that look of like, "What did, it, did I say something wrong?" Well, <laughs> no, not really. He was because he because he's like, "Show me her vagina." She's like, "She showed me her vagina." I'm like, why would I want to fuck someone who does that? And I'm like, "No, sorry, no, sorry, can't have that." Um, and he he uh was also, you know, he was he seemed like he got it. At when I cut him off, he just kind of bowed out. 
Um, I can't even remember the guy's name. I don't even think he was from from here. He, was he made just... his night, man. That's a badge of honor to get kicked out of an open mic for, com- <laughs> for, com- <laughs> for comedians. Because, like, you know, uh, they mostly perform at bars. So okay. we're, we're, we're used to, like, you know, dark spaces. And the only way to get attention from drunk people is to make them right. un- uncomfortable. So if they're not skilled comedians, mm-hmm. like the minute they're at a family-friendly uh, environment, they panic. They like, go, oh, "Shit, what should I do?" But then, the, yeah. then, but then there's a select few who are like, "I know exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get kicked off, and that's gonna be great." Yeah, see, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't <laughs> like that. But no, I've had some great comedians who have been able to come in, keep it clean, keep it appropriate. I- I've yet to and, perform there, actually. Yeah, well, I'd love to have you whenever, yeah. you, like. Uh, course i'd love to get you in um another great comedian uh who i like who i think is really good at keeping it clean and entertaining is uh noah gain do you know noah gain yeah i do yeah he uh i i I like having him come he's actually i i didn't know this for the longest time but he's actually dating my cousin (laughs) but uh, uh okay yeah yeah okay I don't know. You hanging out for Scotty as much as you do. Did you, did you ever meet uh, Maddie? Maddie, yeah. Maddie when Maddie. she worked she's awesome. Yeah. yeah, she's my cousin. Yeah. So, um, it's a small world, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Uh, however, uh, you know, it, it's always great to get comedians to adjust. It's just like musicians. What makes you like usually a musician that can play different instruments mm-hmm. is considered a great musician. Yeah. Um, um, my well, we have a lot of people who do that. Uh, my friend Michelle Gunther, she uh, a lot of times will do a song on guitar and then switch over to piano, um, and I I love that. I mean, as long as you can do it in ten minutes, I've had people who try to switch instruments and they use up their entire time slot trying to change instruments, and that's when I'm like, okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's slow down here. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> I just imagine some guy just having the hardest time oh plugging shit in. Oh my god, and then, dude. And then, you have no fucking idea. And, how, and, then, and then the 10 minute oh comes up and they're about to perform. You're like, oh, sorry, we have no more time. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. Uh, but you know what? I think that's what takes up so much time sometimes in open mics, in music open mm-hmm. mics, is just setting up. Especially when people who bring their own like gear that's like well, look, unnecessary, like that's yeah. house provided. Mm-hmm. You said like oh, it's true, and you know, uh, Red Rock is great. Like they've got a lot of equipment there. We've got a full professional PA system with monitors and cables. We have a house keyboard, um, so it's it's very accommodating. So uh, people don't really need to bring a whole lot. They just need to bring their instrument. Um, so that that's uh, I think that's another thing that that makes Red Rock stand out as an open mic is uh the our our ability to accommodate um so really awesome man yeah and it's on monday nights right monday nights uh at red rock coffee uh on castro street in mountain view and uh signups are at 6 30 but if you want to actually get on the list get there at like 5 45 because people like seriously i don't know how the hell this happened but uh, probably about six months ago, the line just started getting really long, really early. And I'll some one night I showed up there. Now I show up probably about you know between five and five thirty, and I go up there and the line's already out the fucking door. And I'm like, holy shit! Like what? What the hell? Like how how do you do this? And I'm just like, 
okay. So get there early if you want to get a if you want to make sure you get a spot. All right, um, there you go. Yeah. Now let's go back to your EP. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's coming out twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes for this EP, and what do you feel you want the people to take out of it? Um, well, my hope uh, for myself personally is that it'll uh, it'll be a step through the door, um, that it'll open up opportunities. Um, that I'll be able to show the world my style and uh, share a bit of what I've experienced. Um, for others, I really hope that these are just songs that they can connect with, um, that they can enjoy, uh, that they'll find catchy and entertaining. Yeah, I know my style isn't for everyone. No single style is for every single person, but I really hope that the people who like the genre of music that I do, which is, you know, sort of like acoustic sort of, you know, indie poppy stuff. Well, uh, would you ever consider going electric? Um, I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I I can't predict the future. We could pull Mumford and Sons. You know, first couple albums were acoustic, and then they pull out the electric, and this on great. Both. I hate Mumford and Sons, but okay. well, you know, I'm not a fan of Hanson, so I think we're we okay, even. Okay, there there we go. <laughs> No, <laughs> but but uh, but as far as right now, electric and the future is not really something you see viable. I, I it's not what I'm into at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to me, I'm more of the acoustic sort of you know indie poppy with a little bit of country folk vibe in there as well. Um, and I, I love electronic music. Like uh, one of my favorite bands is uh, Tegan and Sarah. And they do a lot of, and they they oh. they started out acoustic, and right. now they do a lot of like electric synth pop. So I wasn't talking about that level of electric. But, I'm thinking I'm talking about like just you know electric guitars and stuff like that. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh I, fuck. I, um. Okay. I, I, wow. You you went from zero to a hundred, like acoustic to EDM. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Using a. Okay. Okay. My bad. My bad. Jesus. Okay. You, using electric guitars and stuff and like using full kit drum sets uh, yeah of course um, for uh, yes definitely <laughs> it's just so interesting you jumped right into like full on electronic sorry music. Y- well you said electric I didn't that, that could have meant a lot of things I interpreted <laughs> as like electric <laughs> Um, but no, definitely. I definitely like to to bring in those elements. Um, I can see it now. Your your next EP is gonna be like a dubstep remix. Oh jeez, <laughs> hell no, hell no. Um, but but no, definitely. I would definitely love to uh, experiment more with uh, bringing in electric guitars and full kit drum set. I just felt um, for this first EP, um, I I've always I've I always love the the less is more approach. And so uh, for this EP, I wanted to keep it acoustic. Um, you know, acoustic guitars and uh, just, you know, hand percussion. Um, and, you know, on Marty uh, added some great vibes to the background, um, especially on Healing. Uh, I think that's going to be a great track. Um, I don't know if we can give people, like, who listen to this podcast an advanced listen of something, but... Uh, but there, there is some. Uh, oh yeah, we're, we're we're playing a song prior to our conversation. Okay. Oh well. Yeah. Cool. But um, we're but uh, yeah. Back to what I was saying. For this EP, I wanted it to be acoustic, and I think it worked out great. Um, especially with the lead guitar, uh, Alex Stanley used so uh, 
mainly just a, a 1929 like resonator tenor guitar which i just absolutely love that he has that and uh he also uh did a little bit of mandolin on a on a track as well so uh it's it's we were acoustic yet creative so. cool all right uh we reached the hour mark we usually close up shop around here okay uh, any last plugins you like to put in um so yeah again uh the ep release uh is gonna be on august 26th at 7 p.m at red rock ten dollar cover charge uh I just want to, again, say thank you to everyone who's helped out, especially to all of you who donated to our GoFundMe campaign. Uh, you guys uh, were definitely a, played a huge role in us making this happen. Uh, again, I want to really thank uh, Mikhail Laxton for uh, being so supportive and uh, really uh, pushing me to move forward with my music. Um, thank you to Line B and uh to cafe frascati and to red rock for being so great to me and uh being so encouraging and uh thank you to you jorge for having me on here hey, oh, it's my pleasure yeah but it's pretty cool because if they come to the ep release party mm -hmm. on the 26th oh yeah on the 26th uh you'll be having copies of the ep available yes yes there will be copies and uh if you come to the show uh we're gonna have a special uh on sale price for the cool. copies of the record so cool cool jake wickman uh i believe you're gonna end this with the song sure so that's uh thank you for coming absolutely by the way what is the name of the song you're gonna be performing for us uh i th i think the song uh we're gonna perform today is uh the song healing uh, healing. uh which is uh, a song that um i wrote uh just well, it kind of speaks for itself. So there is a hidden meaning behind it, but I don't want to divulge everything. So All right. uh, let me grab my guitar and I'll. This uh, is uh, I'll healing. Play that for you. This is healing by Jake Wickman.
I'm still healing